Hey, it's Chris Jarvis. And Kaylee Metcalf. And thank you for, for listening, listening to It's a, a Queer Thing, thing on KSCF 88.1. Third Friday of the month at 5 p.m. the third Friday of the month here at KFCF Fresno streaming everywhere at kfcf.org are Chris and Kalia actually in the beautiful Tower District Studios in front of the microphoniums stay tuned for It's a Queer Thing that was fun (laughs) Kalia was bopping to that one I was (laughs) thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1 It's a Queer Thing on the third Friday of every month and just a reminder, this radio station and all of its awesomeness and all of its awesome programs is listener-supported. So if you want to make a monthly pledge, you can do so at kfcf.org. There's a big donate button, and they've got some really cool stuff. If you make big donations, there's like $100, and you get this really cool interview and this book about the trails and the forest. It's awesome. We're going to have a little bit more information about that, I'm sure. But yes, please support your public radio. Donate, donate, donate. All right. Oh, and Dennis just brought us a tree. Now we're cooking. (laughs) Now we're cooking with gas, as my grandma used to say. That's awesome. So we had a we were going to do like a fun, just improv show, um, you know, uh, this uh, month. But a lot of stuff was happening. So uh, the first thing we want to talk about is Fresno's drag uh, festival that happened a week or s- a week last week. Yeah, um, it's been around for about five years. I've, we've got some audio and some interviews. I can't hear you if you all talk at once. You don't understand. I don't understand what. What does this have to do with What does this have to do with God? Even show your face, James. What does this have to do with pedophilia? How are we grooming children? They're not. That's a lie. That's a lie. Come talk calmly. Come talk calmly. I have a radio show. I'd love to talk to one of you if you if you're interested. Okay, so I'm here with uh, uh, drag queen extraordinaire Isis Luna. Isis, what the hell is going on? It's a party. <laughs> it's a party, and everyone's invited. And um, we're just here having a. Um, we're going to be having a great time. We're having a great time, and um, you know, it's just business as usual. And it's a family-friendly event. It Kids sure will be is. here. Tell me what you say to these, not necessarily these people, but parents in general who say that kids shouldn't be around this kind of stuff. Well, if if parents believe that, that's totally their prerogative, and they can do whatever they want with their children. But 
queer people have children too. Right. And um, heterosexual parents have queer children as well. And that's who this event is for. So if you don't have, if you have a problem with that, hey, great. You know, you, uh, you can stay home. Stay away. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, technically, this isn't. This event isn't. You know, marketed to you. Right. Like you're not our demographic. So, um, you know, your people are talking about their kids, but it's like your kids aren't even here. Yeah, what I don't kids? even think they know that queer people have kids. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah. Uh, they think we're eunuchs. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, what imaginary children? You know, are you talking about? So, All right. So, what's going to go? What's going on in here today? Uh, so, it's a Fresno Drag Festival, and um, it's a really great event put on by um, Bella Ramos, and you know, she has a, a queer child, and this all started as an, a way for you know kids because our our youth, right, our LGBTQ youth, they don't really have an outlet or a place that they can go to, you know see drag and they love drag just as much as anyone else hello disney right, so exactly. um, i was just mentioning that to them yeah so um that's why we're here we're here to give a space to you know everyone that needs to see drag and they can't necessarily see it at the bar yeah and to let uh kids that have maybe queer parents know that there's a community out there oh and absolutely we, and we support them. yeah and and you know not only is it is it a community to support lgbtq youth but also to support their parents right you know we need to have resources and that's what's so great about today's event because we have vendors we have booths um there's going to be lots of resources for them yeah. okay cool well thank you have a great event oh, honey. thank you baby how do you know i'm a pedophile how do you know if you're a man what are you okay i'm here with isabel ramos who's the founder of the Fre uh, Fresno's Drag Festival? Correct. Okay. Tell me about how long this has been going on. So this event is, uh, this is the fourth year that we've actually held the event, but it would technically be the fifth. Obviously, due to COVID, we couldn't have it in 2020. Right. And is this the first year that you've had this kind of protest? The first year we've had this kind of protest, yes. You were at the Fresno Fairgrounds before, right? Correct. We were okay. there the first year. Uh -huh. And so we did receive, like, you know, some comments of, oh, but why, you know, kids? But it never, never to this Very extent. visceral today. Yes, I, had a, I had a lot of screaming matches out yeah. there. So tell me, uh, are the parents and the kids expressing any fear inside about these protests? I haven't seen any, um, as far as I can tell. I've, I've been in there a few minutes here and there, but I, I've, I've seen nothing but love and acceptance okay. and just Good. smiles. And tell me why you founded this and what you hope to accomplish with this festival. So the reason why I founded this was my daughter. Um, she is part of the LGBTQ community, and that was during the time that she came out to me, letting me know that she loved drag queens, loved RuPaul's, you know, and would see, you know, flyers, you know, on social media saying that they were coming to Fab or they were coming to this nightclub and they were all 21 and over and at that time she was still a teenager and that's when I got the idea of like well let me see what we can do to bring you know drag queens here locally and create something that was inclusive to all ages and then plus also myself I'm old I don't like being out all the time you know I'm tired you know and there's times where I'm working and I can't make it you know and so I know there are other adults like me as well that don't look into the clubs who don't like the club scene don't want to be out at bars and that's another reason why yeah, and I, I used to work that. at the clubs for many many years and I've been in non-profit for many years and that was one of the big complaints when we would have an event because we'd hold a lot of charity events mm -hmm. at the clubs and they're like kids under eight under 21 can't come mm -hmm. so so thank you for doing this no problem okay you're involving kids not 21 and over involving kids in what what are we involving kids in perversion i'm here at fresno's drag festival with Rabbi Rick Weiner, Temple Beth Israel. So tell me why you came out here today. Uh, because beautiful people should have people supporting them. Um, you know, everyone, so many people need allies. 
And uh, the, the Jewish community has been a long supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. And, um, you know, we've stood together for decades. So, And you hear them out here uh, invoking God to, to condemn us. Uh, what's your counter argument to that? Um, we're all made in the image of God. There isn't a... A creature alive that is not holding um, God's spirit within. Some people, um, it appears, like to cover that with hatred. And some people open it up for fabulous beauty. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I'm here with someone that came out to protest the event here at the church, the, the Fresno Drag Festival. Tell me why you came out here today. Yes, I, I came out here today um, as a mom. I, I'm a mom of five kids. And uh, when I saw the event flyer, I, I decided I, I needed to check check out the um, the artists who are coming here today and what concerned me was their body of work on YouTube the online presence um, because I saw some of their performances and I uh, the, I saw there was some self-mutilation there was uh, blood on stage, I mean real blood on stage and uh, I just thought some dark it just looked dark. So you were concerned so that children were going to be around I that. was concerned that children would be So then around. we had a conversation a while ago, you with a couple of us others, and we talked about how performances are very different in different venues, that even though those performances exist, I, I agree with that, I used to work in a club, um, the performances that they do here or the interactions they do here are not going to be nothing like that, and you seemed very open to the idea that you didn't know that. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm actually um, I'm, ple I'm pleased that we had this discussion, uh, because um, you know, I've been aw made aware that it's it's the artist that it's more like a a, a Disneyland situation right, where right. it's a reading stories for kids. That it's it's um, yeah. It was there's it was a thing called Drag me. Queen Story Hour, which is drag all across Queen the country, where drag queens go and they read uh, children's stories to children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is queer chi children with queer parents or queer kids or, or, or straight kids. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very, um, just like uh, somebody from Disneyland would do. It's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm very interested in is that you had a conversation with us, which I truly appreciate, mm -hmm. and that you maybe now have a slightly different point of view. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. And uh, I'm, I'm at the point now where I, I, want to, I want to understand it more. Okay. I want to... Um, you know, maybe maybe check out one of the story drag queen story time, and um, yeah, I, I want to have a balanced pr perspective, good, good. and I don't want us all. I don't know if it's gonna. I want us to understand each other. I don't want. I don't want this. Yeah, this uh, is horrible. This back. And I, forth I don't today. want tension in the community. Yeah. I mean, we all. Uh, I mean, I just hope we can meet in the middle. Right. Okay. Well, I yeah. truly appreciate that. Yes. yes Thank yes. you so much. Yeah. All right. So uh, you can clearly hear all the yelling in the background. That went on for some time. I would say an hour and a half. Um, that I was there, there was yelling the whole time. Um, there was a sign out front. Now, again, these the Proud Boys were the protesters there, mm -hmm. and they literally think that we're all pedophiles. I must have heard the word pedophile 50 times or more. Um, 
they called James and I, who's my husband, pedophiles, and started asking us if we like girls or boys. I mean, they and yet they at the same time they would say, "Oh, we're not saying it's because you're gay; it's because you're pedophiles." I'm like, "Well, you're not calling anybody else pedophiles <laughs> except the gay people in front of you." But the sign they had out front was "Cure," big black sign, black uh, vinyl sign that said "The Cure for, Ped- for Pedophilia," and it was a picture of an AR-15. Um, there weren't any guns present that I know of, so that was really good because tempers right. were flared. And there was a police presence. There was there were several policemen there, and they were very cool. Um, the Proud Boys were condemning the police because they were saying, you're stifling our free speech. And I'm like, they're giving you free speech. They're mm-hmm. giving you free speech. They're giving us free speech. And they're here to protect everybody, which they were. And they let us yell at each other and try and argue. <laughs> um, but this last woman that we just heard, um, you know, she every time I go to one of these events and, and I have a lot of people in the community say don't engage them don't talk to them I'm the opposite of that I will always engage I will always talk I literally went there to have a rational interview with one of the proud boys but that as you can hear didn't happen but she after I heard her talking to somebody else she had a sign that says that we cause pain and perversion and she was this meek little woman and I thought this so I started to ask her why did you come out here and she started to say some of the things we heard and I said did you write this sign yourself and she goes yeah I did so you know it gave me a little bit of insight into the people that are so easily manipulated by what's out there in Mm -hmm. social media and online because she never did think it was possible for the drag queens to have one persona in a club and one persona in another event. Mm -hmm. And this event happened at Our Savior's Lutheran Church. I want to mention that. And they were totally behind it. And one of them was out with us while we were facing down the protesters. Um, It it was scary. I can see how these events can get these protests can get very ugly very fast. But they literally, their only thought was that we were molesting children or that the people in the event were molesting children. Right. I have to wonder how much of that is performative, you know, because yeah. if you really felt like somebody was, like there was actually danger to children, that's, you have to have some kind of basis in reality. Right. right? You can't just decide that. Plus, we said, if you think this is happening, why aren't you sitting down with the church and asking them? And right. Of course, there's no rationality and sit, there's no place to have a calm conversation with them it's all yelling and screaming which right. i was yelling and screaming too but yes yeah. a bunch of the original recording that chris sent me originally i was like we can't use any of this it's all cursing yeah that, were, that was just a small part of it um you can probably see i'm i'm waiting to see my video online from the proud boys because they pointed a camera at me and james for a few minutes while we talked and and called us pedophiles and asked if we like boys yeah. or girls so i'm sure that's out there somewhere well and as we know uh councilman Bredefeld. Bredefeld, Bredefeld, yes. I cannot say his name. Um, he has been very vocal about his disdain for drag mm-hmm. performances and the, the LGBT community at large. But I want to just make a note here that yesterday during the city council meeting, he there was a lot of public comments saying, look, calling him out on his stance, his social media mm-hmm. diatribes and whatever, and saying that this was a good event. And he went on a terror and just started talking and talking and talking and being awful and the freaking city council members got up and left they left so then the city council meeting had to come to a halt because they technically didn't have a quorum they just anymore. walked out on him they walked out on him yeah all of them or eventually all of them yes i'm i'm just i'm really happy so first it was uh, miguel arias um, luis chavez nelson Espar- esparza mm-hmm. and tyler maxwell they left first 
He kept talking. The city clerk said, look, we don't have a quorum. He kept talking. Annalisa Pereira and Mike Carbassi also left. Um, and then there were people in the audience shouting back at him. So, I mean, yeah. this is, it's not good, obviously. But I will say thank you to the rest of our city council. And thank you to the people who were at that meeting who were being vocalized. Right, yeah. And, and saying that this isn't, this and isn't just okay. So, and I ahead. just have to, because this is so fun. Fresno be reported this. That um, when Nelson Esparza came back to the council, they said that they had taken taken a quote lgbtq plus friendly snack break that's where they had all gone <laughs> so okay well I, we invited uh gary bredefeld to be the phone in on this particular episode um we've also invited him uh to come on our show in january or beyond or do a phone in and uh no response so far I'm shocked, I tell you. Shocked, I say. So let's move on to something else now. We want to talk to Robin and Karen Johnston-McGeehee because they recently were invited to the White House for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. Robin, Karen, are you there? I'm so happy. Yes, we are. Hi, Robin. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? We're good. How are you guys? Fantastic. I love your reporting on uh, the event um, at Al- Our Savior, and I love how calm and collective you keep yourself in that composure of hate. Well, um, I wasn't, I I wasn't I, completely I, calm, That was Robin. the edited version, Robin. <laughs> yeah, that was the... Yeah, yeah. Well, but, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. It just shows that the most, you know, telling moment is that woman who, once you just started engaging her, she was like, oh, well, maybe I like your side. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And... And it just shows how easy, like you said, it's so easy to um, kind of direct people in one direction or the other. And that's why we have to continue it to engage. You know, I've always thought like, through the whole Trump thing, the, the whole era with misinformation and the vaccines and all this. I always just went off and said, oh, this is just how do you not know the truth? This is stupid. But talking to this woman and a couple of other people, I can see how people are easily manipulated. And, you know, a big part of that is they don't go and do the work. But well, I, f- I feel like the problem is that you have an authority figure that you trust. Right, and we all right. have authority figures that we trust. And if your authority figure is lying to you, but they have your a thousand percent of your trust, it's really hard for you. To, you have to have a moment where you think, well, maybe this person's lying to me. And that's an uncomfortable place for it anybody. Is. It is. So, but I do really want to talk to Robin. Speaking you, of an authority figure, we trust yes, Joe we Biden. Yes, Joe Biden. Good segue. Tell us about going to the White House and getting to watch them sign the the Marriage Act. Um, This is Karen. I wanted to jump in and comment before Robin answers that (laughs) question about uh, all of the the constant accusations of being a pedophilia. While I was listening to you, I'm on the Internet, and I just did a little Google search, you know, what percentage of homosexuals are pedophiles. And the, the gamut of information and sources was all over the place. So, you know, you sit there and you have to filter through what is the source and how biased is it and right, right. I, mm-hmm. so what there's something out there for everyone if they want to believe something they can find something that that adheres to the preconceived notion and the false belief and they don't have to do homework yeah, yeah and, and I, that's a, go ahead go ahead no, go, Chris. I, I was going to say that one of the things I was shouting back at them during this event was 95% of pedophiles are straight men or heterosexuals, mm-hmm. basically, right. which is if you filter, Karen's right, you, the, all that stuff is out there. But, and I know it's confusing, but it's possible to get to the truth. You just have to see where the source is and where it's coming from. Yep. Right. right. And, and, and badly in their own family. And most right. people just want to believe they're looking for, for a confirmation bias. They're looking right. for something to confirm 
what they want to believe. Exactly. Other than the truth. Well, yeah. it's always better when the evil is an other. It's a member of the other group and not yeah. your group because that's a lot safer yeah. and a much more comfortable worldview. That, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So and a lot less heartbreaking. So tell well, us how you guys got to the White House. Yes, well, thank you. Uh, and, and speaking of the White House, you know, just yesterday, Brian Brown from the National Organization for Marriage, who, you know, we don't see as much in the news as we used to see during the days of the marriage equality rallies. Right. But he's still out there and organizing. And it really is about where is the money. And, you know, yesterday, the National Organization for Marriage sent out an email to their list saying that drag performers were up on stage with Joe Biden. Well, you know, that would have been a beautiful thing, but that really wasn't the truth. Right. Um, you know, we were there, we saw, and it was politicians. It was a family that, you know, was part of the visual image of why the bill was being signed. There was some entertainers like Sam Smith and Cindy Lauper. Um, and yes, it would have been wonderful to have drag queens, but Brian knew that if he sent out this, you know, hate mongering um, and uh, trying to, you know, be in, a, in an environment where he's going to capitalize on hate, he could lie and say, oh, you know, the Biden has drag performers at the White House at the repeal of Marriage Act. And it had nothing to do with that. But what they're trying to stir is on fear, yeah. um, as you all know. And people so will believe it without checking either. it out. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, to speak to the event, you know, we were very honored to be there. We got a call from um, multiple people from in the White House that we had worked with, um, with Get Equal, um, that were trying. They reached out to Cleve Jones. They reached out to, you know, multiple people, multiple people that they had connections with. We weren't special. Um, we It felt special to be there, and I don't want to dismiss the moment at all. Uh, but what I feel is so important and I've tried to say that in the Fresno Bee um, when they talked to us about it is Fresno really was a major part in pushing. Yeah. And, you know, when we were there, people would say, you know, how is Fresno? You know, they knew about me in the middle. There was an actress, Michelle Clooney from Queer's Folk, that she was like, you know, that's the first place I took the stage and really chanted. Um, and, you know, and knowing that Fresno helped with the National Quality March and all those other things, I hope that everybody took in that, you know, we all were a part of that you know event at the white house on tuesday yeah mm -hmm. yeah and we were so glad you guys were there to represent the community because it means so much for us to be recognized for all that legwork we all did back in the day when this was exactly. all happening yeah. yeah yeah and we're still doing you know I, one of the conversations that i had with someone there was you know fresno and we said this during meet in the middle and i still believe it now fresno is the litmus test for the country i mean i truly believe if you can make um, a sense of what that hatred is and that fear is and try to figure out how to, you know, deviate it like you were doing, Chris, on that, you know, that event. Um, you know, if you can figure that out and you can figure out what works, then it'll work in Texas. It's going to work in Mississippi. It's going to work in Florida. Right. Um, and, you know, I really believe that Fresno, even though we're in the most liberal state, one of the most liberal states, we are in the hotbed of conservatism and we're surrounded by, by progressives that want to fight for justice. So it really is a great environment to kind of tr try to figure out what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Robin was handcuffed or chained, were you chained or handcuffed to the fence at the White House years ago when you got arrested? Uh, well, chained once and handcuffed once. Yeah, and then, she, <laughs> and then she was arrested for doing that. So she's been yeah. putting herself on the line for many, many, many years. Yay. Thank you. Wonderful Thank you. heroes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Did you guys well, get, I, I, I did a quick question. Did you meet 
did you run into Pete Buttigieg? Well, he, hey, you he should see this face. No, I wish. He's drooling over here. <laughs> exactly, yes. I wish uh, we were near that area, but we never were able to interact with any oh, of the okay. celebrities, you know, politicians or people. Um, you know, what we did meet Roberta Ackenberg, who was the woman that Jesse Helms uh, called a, a GD lesbian on the Senate floor during her confirmation. She was the first um, out uh, appointee yeah. by the Clinton yeah. administration. So, I mean, that for me is a celebrity. Oh, yeah. And, if Pete, and Pete is, too. I don't want to take away from that. <laughs> but, you know, that out of the people that we met, that was something that was really special. Just seeing that um, history. And knowing that we are making progress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even, even in the face of all the negative stuff that's happening, that yeah. where we feel like we're yeah. slipping back 50 years all of a sudden. Exactly, exactly. And I want to say that, you know, for everyone listening, um, I truly believe that we should be talking about actions at Bredefeld's office because, um, you know, we can't let his hate rhetoric stand as the message of the day. And I'm so, I, I totally believe what Kayla said is, you know, the people that went and spoke at that city council, the, they are not letting his voice be the only voice that's heard. And mm -hmm. the, the city council that walked out, I commend everyone Absolutely. who is not letting his voice be the narrative. Because as you know, it's the loudest voice in the room. And sometimes oh, yeah. he is the loudest voice. But I want to know why he says the things he says, because... Um, as we saw when we had the vigil for the Colorado shooting, politicians, local politicians, state politicians, they say things that rile the public, and then these kinds of things happen. So he's saying dangerous things that we need to counteract. Right. And I'm right. going to segue us now, speaking of being at city councils and council meetings and the fact that the power of the people and the voice matters. Um, our next segment, and Robin, I hope you stick around and listen. Um, we, Chris and I went to Sanger. We went to a school board meeting at, where the students and the parents and the teachers and alumni spoke against a policy that the board is supporting, which is taking the pride flag out of classrooms because they're, quote-unquote, too controversial. Yeah. They are seen as the same level of controversiality as, say, the Confederate flag. And um, we were able to, to be there and to listen to some of the people. And, who, and we've got a recording and of that, but I want to say goodbye to Robin yes, and Karen. Yes, thank Robin, you guys thank so, you much so much for, for being, being on here. the show. Also, and thank you for being at that, too, because that's so important as well. Thank you for all that you're doing. All right. You too. You guys take care. The Respect for Marriage Act was just passed in the House and the Senate, which codified same-sex marriage in all 50 states. And it has settled legal precedent that a person's sexual orientation cannot be used to discriminate against them. Just as a person's race or ethnicity is recognized as a valid identity by the law, their sexuality is also protected by the law. Any policy that refuses to accept these as basic facts should not be implemented anywhere, especially not in an institution that is supposed to look out for and care for the youth. Protect the hive, respect the swarm, and be elite, the Sanger West motto. I love my school. I feel protected when I walk into the school every single day. I feel respected within every single classroom I walk into, and I am happy to give that respect. My school is truly a place where I feel like I am elite and can excel. I am proud to attend Sanger West High School. Correction, I was proud to attend Sanger West High School. I do not want to be a hornet if that means I cannot be my truest self at school, and this ban proves that I have no business being a hornet. Every child, every day, whatever it takes. 
There are students in Singer Unified, there are students all over the country who are LGBTQ+. Some of them have always known, some of them have just figured it out. But however they came to understand who they are, it has been a journey, whether an easy one or the most challenging one of their lives. If society continues to think of LGBTQ+, as it has, it will continue to be challenging throughout their lives. This should not be a political issue, because this is a human rights issue. These students are our children, and our children's friends, and they are just being who they are, who they were born to be. And those before them have had to struggle and meet many challenges to fight for their rights as human beings. The pride flag came about because of that struggle and those challenges. The pride flag represents love and support, and most importantly, celebration for being who you are. Because every child is worth celebrating, every day, whatever it takes, right? There are teachers who have pride flags in their classrooms to let these students know that this classroom supports them, that in this classroom, it is safe for them to be themselves. Displaying flags representing our identities sends a critical message to our youth that they can openly express who they are and that their school is committed to creating equitable and inviting spaces for them to learn. This ban flies in the face of the non-discrimination statements put out by your district that state that students and staff cannot be discriminated against based on perceived characteristics of race, gender, sex, or, or, or sexual orientation, to name a few. My family has been in Sanger for generations. I am the daughter of Philip Gonzalez, class of 1982, as well as the niece of mayor-elect Frank Gonzalez. I am deeply disappointed in our school board. However, I am not surprised. The behavior that Sanger Unified is showing today has always been here. This board continues to be neglectful to our students and also shuts down any form of challenge or inclusivity in the classroom. I would like to remind you that you do not own your seat on this board. You can be voted out and you will be voted out. And if you continue to neglect our students and the voices of your constituents, you will be voted out. We also need to think of the un- we also need to think of our next generation. Remember the unwritten commandment of being in charge, which is we shall give our children better than what we ourselves have received. Uh, some people said some great stuff about statistics for suicide prevention, and I want to uplift that. But I'd also like to draw your attention to Assembly Bill 130, which requires that school boards and administration create safe and supportive learning environments for LGBTQ pupils, including those with multiple intersecting identities, including but not limited to those who are members of the LGBTQIA community, communities of color, immigrants, and people living with HIV. So this also includes Black Lives Matter flags and includes Pride flags. We are here today with university advocates for inclusion, parents, and most importantly, our students. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Yes. Teachers are now being instructed to take down pride flags from our classrooms, but this is not the first time our district has made assaults on the rights of LGBT, to stud LGBT students to a safe and inclusive education. The district allegedly instructs science teachers to admit sexual health, health topics that ed educate LGBT students about gender expression and sexual orientation. LGBT students are barred from receiving the comprehensive sexual education as their straight peers. In June last year, our district canceled a student organized Pride Week. The district's definition of neutrality appears to be making LGBT and black students invisible and oppressed. We are here for you to look at the faces of our LGBT and black students in our district and asking you to humanize and more importantly, to value them. 
You have the opportunity to make the decision to be supportive of all students or to support only some, to live in the present for a better future, or to go backwards to the 1950s when the American flag only included rights and freedoms for some. Yes. We have come a long way, and we are calling the Board of Trustees to continue to move in the right direction. Although it may be unpopular, new territory, and for some, it will require you to have courage. However, the fate of our LGBT plus and black student safety and education lies in your decision. Okay, so that was the Sanger School <laughs> okay. Board meeting that we attended on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so you guys, this was a really busy week for us. <laughs> it was. It was. Lots of protests. Yeah. So um, there were 25 speakers, and there were four speakers who were talking about other issues in the district. Uh, everybody else, 20, 21 people got up. 22, I think, got up and, and supportive and of removing this ban. Not one person got up and said that they thought it was a good idea. Yeah. And you know, James asked me later. He goes, "Well, what did the people who support the ban say?" And I'm like, "I hadn't even thought of that, but there wasn't one Not person." One. Yep. So what impressed me so much, I mean so much, were the, some of the first speakers you heard, which were students, mm-hmm. who were not only outing themselves, which they were probably already out, but they were coming up, they had re- done the research, they wrote the speeches, and they were very powerful in yeah. what they said. It was Because I wasn't going to speak at first, and then I heard those kids, and I said, i got to get up and say and something. And I don't think you used her. There was one gal who got up and she said, you know what, I'm an LGBT person. My life is not controversial. Right. I am not controversial. I'm yeah. getting goosebumps that, right now. Look at that. But yeah, it was it yeah, was really we, moving. We it was. We were we were shaken by the things people were saying because um, when they said who who wants to speak, I thought maybe five six hands would pop up, and like twenty five hands popped up. And there were a lot of teachers there who I spoke to one of the teachers afterwards. She uh, there were two teachers right sitting in front of us. They had their rainbow flags. They're being very supportive, but they didn't want to speak because they wanted to. Make Make sure that the students and the parents were given ample time. Right. And you might have heard in that recording that there was like that ding, 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 ding sound. They had to limit it, people, to a minute, 30 seconds. Yeah, they said, we have 30 minutes to talk. So since we have all these speakers, you are timed out at one minute and 30 seconds. Um, so we were all timed out at that. Um, I want to read a little bit about what Sanger uh, reported or they gave a statement to Fox 26 and they said every student, every teacher and every voice matters at Sanger Unified School District and we will always ensure students have equitable access to a safe learning environment where everyone feels comfortable and accepted. Well, obviously that's not true because the pride flags were in in the classroom and I said this when I spoke. I said it's it was it was important that you put the pride flags in, or allowed them in the classroom. It's more important that you took them out because now what you've done is you've told these kids that they're not worthy of being recognized and also you've emboldened uh, the people, the kids that bully them, mm-hmm. that come out against them because now they kind of have permission to do that. They're, they're, Sanger is basing all this on a policy they have called BP6144, which I printed and I've read several times. If you read this policy, it sounds supportive of the LGBTQ community. It says nothing about this stuff can't be in the classroom. They said their decision was based on this, which is a twist of what this is. And several people mentioned that when they spoke. It's not in there. And it's not. This, If you read this by itself, you would think it's supportive of LGBTQ kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that uh, they, un- you know, this is happening all across the country. Um and you know goes on to banning books and sexual education is not taught um, aggressively and all these things but 
the fact that they hold the pride flag up next to the Confederate flag and say that's the same thing means they have no comprehension of what they're talking about. I think they were pressured into doing this by parents, Christian groups, whatever. Um, they don't want it. They don't want acceptance of LGBTQ kids or people, I think they think we'll just go away. And guess what? We're not going anywhere. Definitely, definitely not. And one of the other things, like you talked about how now the other side, those bullying kids, feel emboldened. They came into classrooms during the school day and told teachers during the school day right. to take the flags down. This was traumatic. Um, if you're a person who has a symbol and now you know that that can be taken away and they can just come in, I mean... That's that's horrifying. Yeah, we the teacher that sat in front of us, she was holding a pride flag, and we asked her we specifically, mm-hmm. how did this occur? And she said they walked in in the middle of the day and said, you can't have this anymore. Can so, you imagine being a student in there? If you're maybe you're wearing your rainbow bracelet, maybe you're you've at the GSA, you know, and, right. and all this stuff, and now they're just they're literally coming in one day to the next. What's different today than yesterday? Nothing. Yeah, and this school has a GSA. We made mm-hmm. sure we found that out, but for some reason, the pride flag is... They're allowed it, to put their pride flag up during GSA meetings, but then it has to be taken down. Yeah. That's what we were told. Yeah, so, absolutely. Very, very disquieting, for sure. Uh, I will I will publish the BP1, uh, BP6144 on the links to the show so you can read it. It's... It's pretty easy to see what they're doing. So, um, Kalia, yes. what's next? <laughs> well, while we were there, um, I got a chance to meet Dr. Selena Van Horn, who was sitting right behind us, and she spoke as well. And she is a fascinating lady who's doing the good work over at Fresno State, getting teachers ready to create inclusive classrooms. So you think about this, like how do teachers make their classroom inclusive? What kind of books, especially uh, Selena's focus is children's books like board books etc can you have in a classroom or in a library that allows children a foundation of diversity and acceptance she's doing some good work and i got a chance to interview her later on and dennis if we could roll that tape thank you so much for being here today i'm so glad you're able to take the time why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what you do Thank you so much for having me. It's such a great privilege. My name is Selena Van Horn. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am an associate professor of literacy education and qualitative research and the chair of the Department for Liberal Studies at Fresno State. That department really focuses on all of our undergraduate students who will become elementary school teachers, special education teachers, and many of them who will also go into school counseling among some other fields as well. Okay. I want to talk to you about how you prepare the teachers of tomorrow to have kind of a cultural competency when it comes to LGBT youth and issues. So how do you guys go about doing that? Well, as a former elementary school teacher, I was really interested in bringing in issues of social justice and equity into my classroom. And I always wanted to find ways to honor the identities of my students, their languages and culture, their families and all of that. And I found tension around bringing in LGBTQ plus topics early on in my teaching, especially in an elementary school classroom. I had internal tensions around whether or not good teachers were able to bring in these topics to our classroom or if we had to remain neutral. You know, even my mentors didn't have really great answers for me. And so I wanted to study this for my research. And and throughout my graduate program, I studied equity for LGBTQ plus students in our schools in K-12. And so I just published my first book called Towards Queer Literacy in Elementary Education, Always Become 
upcoming allies. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about it. It it blends multiple studies of work that I've done with teachers and children to really bring in queer topics, queer literacy and literature, and to look at our spaces in elementary schools to identify the ways that we are reproducing cis gender identity, cis normativity, heterosexuality, heteronormativity, and really to really bring light to how that's a problem. For teachers to see that there are things we do every single day that could be changed and or we could challenge them as teachers with parents and with our students. And so as a professor um, for future teachers, I bring in, I start really with talking about our identities and pronouns in the classroom and valuing who's in my classroom and modeling that for them. And then I bring children's literature into everything I do, but my focus is LGBTQ plus children's literature. So I love bringing in books that show many different families families, many ways of identifying with gender, many different expressions to really separate the sex assigned at birth with gender, to really understand how as teachers, we have a lot of power and what we do in our space. And so I always say to teachers, we have power. We can use our powers for good or we can use them for evil. And when we honor our children's identities, their voices, then we're using our power for good. But when we specifically remove LGBTQ plus literature, symbols like the pride flag or images with two moms or two dads or various gender expressions in our space, then what we're doing is using our power for evil. It seems like you have a huge task ahead of you. How do you even get started with that? I actually start with teachers and say, we need to acknowledge our own identities before we can have these discussions. We have so many taken for granted assumptions or unacknowledged ways that we talk or we think of our own gender and sexual identities. I talk about how teachers can look at themselves first and then how do we envision our space in the classroom. So I have examples in my book and suggestions for how to get started from the very beginning to set the tone in our schools, our spaces and in the classroom, ways to show children that they're seen. But one thing I want to make clear, it's not just about our LGBTQ plus children being seen or those who have family members and friends who identify as LGBTQ plus But for all of our students of all identities to recognize and understand LGBTQ plus folks. So when they see posters in the school with families that have two moms or two dads, one mom, a grandma, that's the caretaker, a mom and dad, things like that they recognize that there are many families. When they see rainbow flags, they recognize that those are symbols of love and pride, community and support. And so for a cis straight student, they recognize what does it look like to show symbols and signs of support and allyship. My focus specifically with teachers is in those early years of elementary school so we can set the tone working with families, creating space in our room, reading books that have LGBTQ plus identities and topics and discussion. You said that you focus on children's literature. What constitutes children's literature? 
So most of what I work with is picture books and early chapter books, but I have facilitated teacher book clubs where I bring teachers in, invite them to read with me the children's literature, and also partner that with young adult literature and nonfiction works that we can read across age groups and reflect in different ways. Your book that you you referenced earlier, who's the target audience for that? Is it teachers and educators or lay people? Yes, it's really focused for teachers, those who want to do more work in their classroom, who maybe identify themselves as someone who is progressive, an ally. I say they may go to pride events and and things like that. But when they get into the classroom, they feel a sense of of uncertainty. Uh, What can I talk about in the classroom? Is this too much of my personal opinion? What is considered controversial, as we're seeing across our, our local school districts too, and really across the country, controversial topics are often brought up. I also talk about that in my book. I track across the country how bills have been proposed and or passed that are meant specifically to target education, focus on parents' rights, but only those rights of parents who don't want LGBTQ literature are considered, not the rights of all parents who do want the work in their classrooms and for their children to have those opportunities. The book is made for teachers who think, you know, I want to do more. I believe that all identities should be included in my classroom and I want to really be supportive of LGBTQ plus students and families and, you know, bring those topics in my classroom. I don't know how. There are many parents who say, I want LGBTQ plus literature in the classroom, but their voices don't often get to be heard or as loud as those who are fighting for oppression. What I want to say to teachers is that I want you to continue doing more. What we need to focus on is how do we listen to our families and children to honor LGBTQ plus identities? How do we bring in literature to have beautiful representations? Amazing. I'm so glad that we have advocates like you out there. Thank you so much. If uh, people want to get in touch with you to give you the kudos or ask follow-up questions, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Selena Van Horn. I'm here at Fresno State and they can email me here as well. I'm on our Fresno State website, svanhorn at csufresno.edu. And um, I'll have some events coming up that I'd love to share, but please contact me if you have any questions. And 100%, I want to continue connecting with teachers who want to do this work and parents who want to do the work so we can together find more equitable spaces and have more LGBTQ plus representation for our kiddos in schools. Wonderful. So it was amazing getting to talk to Dr. Solomon. Yeah, that was a great interview. And I, what you don't hear is that we actually talked for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, and I had to really cut that down. Just, But she had so many interesting things to say. She had some good book recommendations. It was great. And at some point, um, I'd love to make the whole interview available for our listeners. Yeah, because Kaylee and I talk about this all the time. We have an hour a month to try and get everything in. So we have to edit to make it all work. Yeah, but definitely check out her stuff. Um, but we are lucky to have this hour, and we didn't take a music break today because we had so much show. So, so we want to remind you, this is an independently owned and locally operated radio station since 1975, KFCF Fresno. Please, if you can, donate at kfcf.org. Click on the donate button, or you can call 559-892-GIVE or 892-4483. Yep. 
Okay, so another quick transition here, because <laughs> we still have a little more show to go, is this was a big year in terms of pop culture stuff, movies, TV, books, and I just want to touch on a few things in each of those categories okay. real fast. I know we're, we're coming up against the time. Um, we don't have all the numbers from the year 2022 yet, but we do have numbers for 2021, and we do know that a fifth of the studio films in 2021 had uh, LGBT... Uh, characters, um, so featured 20%. characters, yes, who were explicitly LGBTQ, and this is an increase from the ten of forty-four that had featured them in two thousand and twenty, um, and it's a decrease from uh, twenty twenty. Uh, ah, ah, sorry, featured <laughs> a d- decrease of one point nine percent from the twenty-two point seven percent figure from twenty twenty. So hmm. whatever, it's 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 interesting and it's a good trend. So we want to kind of yeah, follow yeah. up on that. Specifically, I want to call out. The uh, single character in West Side Story, Anybody's Iris Means, was trans. The first time a trans character appeared in a major studio theatrical release in the last five years. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, like, we've talked about, we've mentioned here about bros. We've talked about other movies that kind of, like, broke molds or, you know, set records and stuff. And I think it's important to, to keep saying that those things are good. And the progress sometimes is slow. And sometimes you take a step back and then you take two steps forward. So... Um, of course, we're not seeing a lot of diversity in our LGBT characters. Most of them are white. None of them have disabilities. But that's okay. The big screen sometimes is a little bit slower on the uptake. So let's talk about TV. Of the 775 series regular characters scheduled to appear on scripted broadcast primetime programming for the 2021-2022 season, 92, 11.9%, are LGBTQ. So that's not a huge number, but it is an increase from the previous Meaning years. Meaning the main characters are LGBTQ? LGBTQ? No, just characters. Oh, just characters. Okay. Yeah. There's um, 49 recurring characters as well. So there's actually 141 main, uh, sorry, LGBTQ characters on broadcast television. So that's really good. And there's more lesbians on TV right now than gay men. There's more lesbians everywhere. That's so <laughs> true. And also the racial diversity of LGBTQ characters on broadcast and streaming went up. It's down on cable, but it's up there. So that's that's good. That's good. We're seeing some good stuff And here. compared to what there was when I was a kid, it's, <laughs> it's massive. Right. Yeah. 17 characters are non-binary and not trans. That's that's important. Yeah, and 42 regular recurring transgender characters who are tracked across all of the platforms. So, I mean, trans representation has really, really gone through the roof. I know it's not where people want it to be, but I think it's amazing that we see trans people all the time when we turn on the TV. That's that's great. Yeah, no, for representation sure. matters. Definitely. And I'm calling out a couple of television shows in particular. White Lotus won five. Awards, five Emmys, and with its bisexual series creator, Mike White. Yeah, my (laughs) bi-bell right here. Um, But yeah, in 2022, we got to see a lot of gay on TV. We had gay pirates, and we had lesbian baseball players. and Who were the gay pirates? Oh, oh my gosh, our flag means death. Are you not watching our flag means death? I am not. Chris, you have to go watch our flag means means death. death. Okay. It's so good. Is it a comedy, a drama? Yes, it's comedy. Yes, it's gay pirates, my friend. Gay pirates. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Where is that? Where do we find uh, that? I think I watched it on either HBO, maybe. It's yes. a series. Yeah, it's a series. I had a first season. They're going to have a second season. Oh, my God. Okay. It's I mean, When we're getting into gay pirates, we are making inroads, <laughs> you know. And let's not forget the lesbian baseball players. Yeah. Yes, the League of Their Own. Which, League of Their Own. Okay. I've heard that's really good. I haven't seen queer, that yet either. Oh, 
my god. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm behind. There's so much to stream now. Okay, and I'm also going to say Heartstopper uh, had nine nominations for Emmys and five wins, and so that's really, really good. Um, of course, there was The Book of Queer, there was Owl House, there was Yellow Jackets, Wednesday, The Proud Family, which is on Disney. Um, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of good TV. Well, was the, one of the biggest uh, expected gay movies this year? Uh, well, now I'm in TV, so now oh, I'm going to scroll sorry. back up through I'm my just, notes. I just Which want one? you to, what, what's that movie that came out about the big gay rom-com? Just came out. I Bros, I'm talking bros. about bros. Oh. oh, you didn't like bros. I thought it was That's awful. right, I took awful. it off my list because you had such an opinion about yeah, it. She didn't want me to be negative here. But, I didn't. But bros is terrible. Okay, I do want to talk about books because I'm a book nerd, okay. right? Okay, so um, sales reached nearly 5 million units in 2021 of queer literature, which doubled the previous year's sales. So we don't have our numbers for 2022 because obviously the Christmas shopping is still happening, but it is projected it was already up 40% by May of this mm, year wow. from the year before. Queer literature is a thing. It is a force. It is a power. It used to be that if you wanted to read queer literature, you could read all of them in one summer, and now there's no way. There's no possible well, let me ask way you this. to catch Is up. Our Flag Means Death based on a book? Oh I'm God. sure it was no. a good book. I know. <laughs> it's okay. not. All right. It is kind of loosely based on a real man, though. So you got you got to okay. go watch it. Oh, for I sure. am. I will. Okay, so also LGBTQ characters are popping up in books that are not labeled as queer or LGBTQ, which I think is amazing. That's important. Yeah. And bodes really well for the future. Um, I want to mention a couple of books as well. I want to talk about Vice Patrol real fast. It's Cops, Courts, and the Struggle Over an Urban Gay Life Before Stonewall. It's by mm. Lavosky. Anna, and, or Anna Lavosky, I should say. And so that's called Vice Patrol. You should definitely check that out. No Gods, No Monsters is a speculative fiction um, award-winning queer book. There's also Sorrowland by River Solomon and Too Bright to See by Kyle Lufkiff. And let's see, Light from Uncommon Stars, getting a lot of attention on the TikTok world. And that is the book I'm going to be reviewing next month. So Light from Uncommon Stars. Lots of good books to read. Basically, if you type LGBT or queer literature into your Google. You will have 17 lists. They will all have 17,000 different books on them. We live in an amazing time right now. There's yeah, so much and it's overwhelming literature. to decide what to read. So it's yeah. good that you're pointing out these 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 books that you think are worthwhile. I definitely think that these and, books are worthwhile. And now that I know there are gay pirates out there, I'm in. I'm looking. Well, I can't help it. It's gay pirates. I mean, Blackbeard. Of all the representation, I didn't know we were going to get to gay pirates. Yes. Um, so that's good. Thank you for all that. Um, we got just a couple of minutes here. We want to give you a couple of quotes and uh, tell you again that you can stream this show at kfcf.org we're on facebook we're on instagram we have we're on this is important we're also a podcast so if you don't have a radio or you don't want to sit in your car and listen to the show <laughs> it's the only place you have a radio this show uh, that we're uh, doing right now is going to be turned into a podcast and and it will be out next week and you can listen to it at anywhere you get podcasts. Just search for Queer Thang, T-H-A-N-G. Also, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places. All the places. And if you use a podcast thing and it doesn't show up there, please just email us and let us know because I can just add it. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. We, we want to be available. Okay, Chris, what's your quote? My quote is, and this is my own quote, uh, do not stand silent against bigotry, hatred, and prejudice. Use the power of your voice, not the silence of your stare. That is a good quote. My quote is for me also. All right. Whatever you celebrate this holiday season, do it with gumption, flair, and plenty of cookies. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next month.